I, me and my family, we owe a, a debt of gratitude to Hope Church, um, Pastor Q, Pastor Mimi, and also Grace Retreat. Um, they don't know it, but actually Grace Retreat uh, was the beginning of uh, this next transition in our life, which is uh, our church plant. Um, two weeks ago, I officially moved into our new church, and we uh, had our first service, official soft launch service. So it's like, it's like basically an officially unofficial service. Uh, it's so unofficial that we don't even have a name for our church yet. Uh, that's how unofficial it is. And so when I was here last time, my life was in a completely different place. Uh, we were secure. <laughs> we had a ministry. Um, we had title. <laughs> uh, but now we're in uh, a far-off land and on this awesome faith journey. And so I just have to say thank you to Pastor Q and Pastor Mimi. Literally, Grace Retreat was the seed. It all started there. Um, and I... They don't even know the story, actually. But it all, our church literally got birthed out of Grace Retreat. So, yeah, you'd be surprised at how that worked out. So let's get into this. I'm going to talk about little faith. Over the retreat, I talked about great faith. And so I thought it would be appropriate on a Sunday to talk about little faith. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. And it says this, Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus was amazed by two things in the Bible. One, he was amazed by great faith. And two, he was amazed by little faith. That's it. And before we can look at what little faith and great faith looks like, we have to just kind of come to an understanding of what faith is in itself. Lots of times I think we think faith is just a, a state of being. We think, we think it's just an intellectual convincing. We think it's just something that we've grown up in, in the church and so on. And so you can kind of categorize in two areas. First, we oftentimes think faith is just the exploration of the possibilities of life. That involves anything from taking chances and taking risks, doing and going on endeavors that are just really possible, really reasonable. And of course, that doesn't mean that it's not a faith journey, but... It's a reasonable, possible thing in the realm of what's possible in human power, human authority, and human history. On the flip side, faith, we oftentimes think, can be just an exploration of the impossible. This is like the supernatural stuff, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. And so we swing the pendulum back and forth when we think about faith. We think it's just about taking chances and risks, faith-filled risks in what's possible. But on the other side... We think it's just an exploration of the impossible. I think there's one component that we're missing. I want to get into that. In this passage, we see the true essence of faith, little or great faith, and what it actually looks like and why Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you of little faith. So today we're going to look at three things, the storm, the disciples, and Jesus. And we're going to get to 
a deeper understanding of why Jesus called these people, specifically his disciples, ye of little faith. This is more of a side note. Uh, I've been on a retreat for the past couple of days, so I'm slowly unraveling. Um, so my mind is all over the place. Uh, this has nothing to really do with the message, but just I, I noticed that there's three categories of how Jesus uh, interacts with people in the Bible. There's uh, the sinners, anyone from the centurion tax collectors, bleeding woman, any woman, really, and children. When he interacts with the sinners, he's incredibly gracious. He's kind. He's nice. He's sweet. With the Pharisees, that category of people, he's harsh. He calls them things like brood of vipers. In essence, he's cussing at them. And he literally calls them the sons of Satan. But then there's a middle category, and that's the disciples. This was just a select few. He was neither just gracious and kind, and he wasn't just harsh, but he challenged them. So in this passage, that's, that's his language, his speaking of ye of little faith. That's the category that he's speaking to these disciples. And he's not talking to the sinners. He's not talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the disciples. And so when Jesus challenges us, we should take that as an awesome thing. Because then it just means you're a disciple. So first we have to look at the storm. If you look at the descripting factor or the description of what the category of the storm is, it's called a furious storm. And I don't know what that means in the Bible. I'm not a meteorologist by any means, but if it's a furious storm, it's probably a scary storm. These guys were expert fishermen. They knew how to sail through the night and through pretty much any nautical endeavor. They were smart on the sea. So they knew what they were talking about. And the waves were strong enough where the waves actually swept over the boat. And I don't know if you've ever been on a boat. I haven't been because deep sea kind of just freaks me out a little bit. But I've never been on a boat where the waves would crash over the boat. Usually that'd be a sign for me to get off the boat and onto land. But these guys just kept on going. And so that's how furious, that's how crazy these waves, these waves were. And so when the Bible and when the disciples who were expert fishermen called this storm furious. They were serious when they said that. But even still, according to Jesus, and if you look at his reaction, the disciples gave the storm a little too much credit. To Jesus, it wasn't furious. So the problem here wasn't in their assessment of the nature of the storm. The problem was in their misinterpretation of the effect of the storm. These disciples, they had a correct assessment of what the storm was. It was furious. But they had a misinterpretation of its effect, of its power, of its influence over their life. That oftentimes is the paradigm of how we live. You may have a correct assessment of the problems and the storms in your life, but oftentimes we have a misinterpretation of its effect, of its power, of what it can actually do to us. You see this in students college students, or anyone who's taking any sort of exam, board exam, qualification exam, whatever. You see this across the board. Why? Because when they take an exam, for some reason, that exam is like the most important thing in their life, and it's going to make or break their existence. And if you're a lawyer, that might be kind of true. But in most cases, that's really not. That's not the case. And so what do we do? Yeah, the storm is furious, it's scary, it's serious. But we often misinterpret its effect. 
what it can actually do. And do you know how these guys misinterpreted it? They misinterpreted it when they said, save us, we're drowning. We're going to drown. Meaning what? They believed that death was their assurance. They believed that death was their guarantee. Misinterpretation, but correct assessment. And so many of us just settle in that. So many of us, we feel like we're okay with just having a correct assessment. But little do we realize how wrong we are in our interpretation of its, the problems and the storm's effects in our lives. You see, we've become experts in assessing trouble. But this is not the problem. Meaning, the problem is actually rarely the problem. The problem is in our interpretation. Our interpretation is the issue. And so this is part of the reason why Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you of little faith. You have little faith. It's not you of little faith. In current languages, you have little faith. And I always thought, if you have even just a mustard seed of faith, that should move a mountain, right? Amen. So when Jesus says you have little faith, they don't even have a mustard seed of it. When the disciples were making their assessment of the storm and they were interpreting its effect and power over their life, they failed to take one factor into consideration. They failed to take in the Jesus factor. And that is probably the, the realm in how we function and that is probably the qualification of what little faith actually looks like. It's not just the force of our belief. It's not just the force of our will. It's that oftentimes when we face a storm or a problem, we rarely take the Jesus factor into consideration. But you may be asking, but they asked for help. They said, Jesus, save us. We're going to drown. And it's true. But they still did not know what to expect. Meaning, they did not know who Jesus fully was. They didn't understand and keep in mind, they saw Jesus do some miracles, mainly with people. And so when they asked Jesus to get up, it was probably a good idea for them to ask the miracle maker, the miracle doer, to get up and maybe do something. But in their response, you see that they had no idea of what to expect. Meaning a big reason why they had little faith is because they just simply didn't know who he was. They didn't have an understanding of what he was capable of doing. And so what did they do? Jesus was a non-factor in their assessment and in their interpretation. Lots of times in the problems and the storms in our lives, we approach it and we try to deal with it on our own and what's possible. And then if you're faithful enough, just have a little bit more faith than the average person, you'll ask God for a miracle, for, to, for God to do something impossible. But rarely do we actually bring Jesus into the factor Rarely do we bring Jesus into the equation. Rarely do we bring Jesus into our interpretation. Little faith is just simply not taking Jesus into consideration during the storms of life. And I talked about this at the retreat, so I'm going to repeat it here. But faith and the qualification of faith, the question is never about what or who. It's actually about how. The centurion... He had great faith. Want to know why? It's because he took Jesus at his word. He looked at Jesus and he said, you don't even need to show up 
Just say the word, and that's enough. Mary and Martha didn't even have that kind of faith. Why? Because when their brother died, what did they say? Jesus, if you were here, our brother would have lived. So when Jesus says, hey, no one in Israel has the kind of faith that the centurion has. Why? Because he took Jesus at his word. The centurion essentially believed in the how of Jesus, not just the who or the what. He believed in what Jesus could do. He believed in who Jesus was, but he also believed in how Jesus could do things. And the qualification of our faith, whether we have great or a little faith, oftentimes rides on that one factor. How do you believe Jesus? How? And you don't, you don't just measure it according to what you say on Sunday. You measure it according to how you face your problems and how you face the storms. You may say, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I give him all the glory. You may receive prophetic words. You may even have experienced miracles. But when you go to a problem and you don't take Jesus into the equation, ye of little faith. Why? Because you may know what Jesus can do. You may even believe who Jesus is. But very rarely do we believe in how Jesus could do what he can do. The centurion, his faith was great. Why? Because of how he believed Jesus. The disciples, their faith was little. Why? Because of how they believed Jesus. The questions are all wrong in our church communities today. We're talking about the who and the what, but we should actually be talking about the how. Just say the word, and that's enough. Just say the word, and that's enough. So look here, moving on to the disciples. When Jesus wakes up from his slumber, and that's a pretty deep sleep. I sleep pretty deeply, but if you're sleeping in a rocking boat, you know, you have some skills. But Jesus, he makes an assessment about the disciples. Notice that. He doesn't mention anything about the storm. His assessment is purely about the disciples. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? So the reader doesn't know anything about what Jesus thinks about the storm. And that's very clear. You only know what he thinks about the disciples. And the reason why, what does that show us? The reason why is because the story is primarily about the disciples and Jesus. Oftentimes... We look at the storm, we categorize it in the furious category, and we think the problems is about us and the problem. We make an assessment and we think the problem is about Jesus and the problem. No, Jesus makes no assessment about the storm. He doesn't say anything about the storm, he just rebukes it. He makes an assessment about the disciples. You have little faith, why are you so afraid? So the issue here, when we face problems, is not about us and the storm, us and the problems. It's not about Jesus and the problems. And you know how you know that? You, you say that in your prayers. You go to your pastors and you say, Pastor, you know, I've been praying for this, and Jesus is not solving my problem and this. And, and you know, that just, that just basically shows your framework of thinking. You think the problem is about Jesus and the problem. No, no, no. You think it's about you and the problem. No. The issue is about you and Jesus. 
And Jesus makes that very clear. He makes an assessment about the disciples. Two parts. He says, first, you have little faith. Second, you have a lot of fear. Little faith, a lot of fear. And faith oftentimes is seen as the opposite of fear. And that's how we try to handle things. We think oftentimes faith and fear are at odds. And on the exterior, it kind of would look that way. But let me tell you something. Fear will always lose to faith. Faith will always outdo fear. Even if you just have a mustard seed of it, faith will always win. So then you may be wondering, but why am I so filled with fear? Why am I so filled with anxiety? The problem is not in our fears. The problem is in our faith. You see, the absence of faith will always pioneer a movement of fear in your life. And that's just simply because faith is just absent. So the goal is not to deal with and fight with the presence of your fear of the storm. The goal is to build up faith. And you see, faith is active. Meaning it requires an active component of your life. It's like exercise. And I don't know anyone who's like lost weight. Oh, I guess at a certain age, you don't really lose weight unintentionally. <laughs> but it's something in your life that you have to be intentional about. Holistic revival, yeah, art guys, we talked about that. Loving Jesus with our body, what does that look like? And so we, you know, what was I getting at? We think the problem is the presence of fear. The problem is the absence of faith. Even a mustard seed of it is enough. Even just a little bit of it is enough. But the problem is not the presence of fear, it's the absence of faith. So here's just like, you know, how we do things oftentimes. If you're afraid of something, your approach is trying to tackle the fear. Your approach is trying to get counseling. Your approach is trying to talk to your pastors about the thing that you're afraid of, about the presence of the fear and the anxiety and the worry in your life. That's how we try to tackle it. Jesus' approach was different. He just, his approach was about building faith, increasing in faith. You see, active faith will always be the solution to passive fear. Unfortunately, we flipped it. We flipped it. And we've said, faith has become a passive thing in our life. Oh, you know, like when I, when I feel like I believe, oh, that's when I'll pray. You want to know why? how I know that? It's because I do that all the time. And we've made fear an active thing. It's flipped. Faith has to be active in your life. Faith, ha oh, that's what I was getting at. Faith has to be something that you have to build up, work on. Faith is something that requires intentionality, discipline, a little bit of will. Not too much effort, but just a little bit of will. It requires a decision and discipline and consistency. Fear is passive, meaning when there's no faith, when you're not active in your faith, what will automatically come in is fear. You should expect to be afraid. You should expect to have anxiety. You should expect to be filled with worry when you're not active in your faith when you're not being intentional about what you believe or how you believe. And we give fear too much credit. We think it's all about dealing with our fears. No, it's about increasing in faith. So, 
What is faith? I said earlier, sometimes we think faith is just the exploration of what's possible. Kind of true. Yes and no. Some of us think that faith is just an exploration of the impossible. Kind of true. Yes and no. But in the kingdom, faith is an exploration, a deep dive, not into the possible or the impossible. In the kingdom, faith is an exploration, a deep dive into the person of Jesus Christ. It's about a knowing of who he is, what he can do, and how he can do it. The understanding of Jesus was so fundamental in the disciples' faith. And you see that in their response, because how did they respond? They said, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? Meaning, because of the quality and the condition of their faith, they didn't have a full understanding, a full concept, construct of who Jesus actually was. What kind of man is this? Their faith was little because they had a little understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. Faith is just simply a deep dive into the person of Jesus. These guys were hung up on taking a deep dive into their boat, trying to save their lives, trying to save themselves. And they had a little understanding of what Jesus could do and of who he was, but they just didn't know how he could do things. And so when Jesus did things in a certain way, their response was, what kind of man is this? They were essentially surprised by Jesus. But really, they shouldn't have been. But since they were surprised, Jesus looks at them and says, this is why you have little faith. It's not because of what you could believe in what's possible. It's not because of what you could believe in the impossible. It wasn't the strength of your will. It's because you just didn't explore who I am, what I could do, and how I could do it. For example, I'm just going to close with this here. I have a story uh, back in my college days uh, when I f sensed that I was going to be called to be a pastor. Uh, I was on winter break, and I just was kind of excitable, and I just wanted to do something for Jesus. And it really wasn't because I wanted to do something for Jesus, because I just felt like I needed to do something for Jesus. So I went down the road of exploring the possibilities and also the impossibilities. So I was in my room, and I just stood up. I didn't pray. I didn't ask God what to do. I just stood up. And I just started, I got into my car and I just started driving. I figured, okay, the most faith-filled thing I could do is just go out there and maybe pray for people and maybe someone might get saved. Maybe someone might get blessed. Who knows? What's the big deal? I'm just going to go try. At first, I was going to drive to the mall, but then I realized people can walk. So most likely they'll walk away from me. So I turned and I drove to the nearest hospital. And I didn't know there were rules and laws I didn't know that. I, when, I, when, I, when I signed up for seminary, when I applied to seminary, I didn't even realize that there was difference in denominations, theologies, and all that stuff. Thank God I went to a, a good one. But I just didn't know, right? I was a bumbling fool of a college kid. I'm just not the college kid anymore, right? Uh, still a bumbling fool. And so I figured, I realized, oh my goodness, these people can walk, and they can walk away from me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm a courageous Bold man, I'm going to go to the hospital. They definitely can't walk away from me. <laughs> so, parked in the parking lot, and I went into the hospital, walked up to the front desk, and 
keep in mind, I didn't know that there were rules and laws. I walked up to them, and I didn't know what to say. I, this was just happening to me. Not like prophetically or spiritually, it was just my head. This was just happening to me, and I just walk up to them. I didn't know what to say, and I just said, hello, I'm Dave, and uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, this is literally how it happened. I'm a Christian, and uh, can I just go around to your rooms and pray for people? And the name of the hospital is Holy Name Hospital. So I figured, you know what, like, they, they might give me a chance, right? Their name was literally Holy Name. And they looked at me, and they were just like, sorry, but we have a chaplain in the building, and I think that actually might be illegal. You can't just go around to people's rooms and lay hands and pray for people. There's, we have laws. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Laws, right? And so I was like, okay. All right, I, I respect that. I understand that. I'm going to walk away. I told them I'm a Christian. Thank you very much for your help. And I just, I was like intent on not being defeated. So I just had to explore what else was possible. I realized on the drive to the hospital, uh, there was a nursing home on the way. So I figured if there's anyone else that won't walk away from me, it would be people stuck in a nursing home. So I, <laughs> I drive to the nursing home. Keep in mind, I'm like all intent on just exploring the realm of possibilities, right? I drive up to the, the double door, the sliding doors. I don't even park in a parking spot. I just drive up there in the driveway. I walk into the nursing home, and I walk up to the front desk, and I tell them, hello, ma'am, I'm, I'm Dave, I'm a Christian. And uh, can I go around just praying for some of your people, maybe the ones who are stuck in bed, right? And then she kind of gives me a weird look. Give me a weird look, right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay. You know, I didn't get that weird look before, but she says, you know, okay, let me go talk to my manager. Uh, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. So let me go talk to my manager. I'm like, okay, you do your thing. I'm living by faith, right? I'm going to do something for God because I want to live by faith. I want to do something powerful. And as I'm waiting in the lobby, uh, I just hear conversations around me. And this is winter time. This is winter break. So a lot of the conversations I hear is all about like, hey, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. And happy Hanukkah. There's no, there's no uh, Christmas music on. And I, I look around. And there's no Christmas tree. But there's a lot of menorahs everywhere. No ornaments. Nothing green, right? And I realized right then and there at that moment, I walked into a Jewish nursing home. Like seriously Jewish. And <laughs> I was about to run because my car was like 10 steps away because I just rudely parked on the driveway. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm such a fool, right? Like I didn't realize this was a Jewish nursing home. And, but I, I decided to stay because I... I was like, I got to do the faithful thing. I got to be filled with faith in this moment, right? The manager comes out. She's talking to me. <laughs> I, I, I get it at that point. I talk to her and I tell her, hi, I'm, I'm a little defeated at this point. I said, I'm Dave. I'm a, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Can I pray for your people? And you would think I wouldn't ask the question at that point, but I just, you know, I'm a bumbling fool, so... I just, I just ask anyways, and I just asked him, you know, can I, can I um, pr 
pray for your people? And they look at me and they're just like, uh, what kind of Christian are you? And I just say, you know what, ma'am, I get it. I'm the Christian. I, I get that this is a, you know, not acceptable here. You guys have laws and rules. So I'm just going to see myself out. And I figured, okay, you know, at least God saw this. At least he saw the faith-filled thing, and I don't have to be embarrassed by this. I don't have to be humiliated. I don't have to talk about it ever in my life, especially on the pulpit, because who knows if I'm going to be a pastor or not. And as I'm walking through the sliding doors, all of a sudden I hear my name being called. Dave, Dave, in the background. And I realize it was someone from way back when in my life, someone I went to church with. He was a physical therapist there. And I figured at least I could walk out. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. This situation couldn't have been any worse, any more embarrassing, any less faith-filled, right? And we're talking, and then his name's Dave, too, unfortunately. And as I'm talking to Dave, I'm, I, he's like, hey, man, what are, you, what are you doing here? And I was like, Dave, you know I'm a Christian. I... Uh, so I just wanted to come pray for people, and he just looked at me, looking around, and he's like, hey, uh, Dave, you do realize that this is a Jewish nursing home? I'm like, yes, I get it, I get it, I get it, I, I finally get it. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's cool, man, you know, like, it's a good heart, I guess, you know, and so we talk a little bit more, and I'm just, like, just humiliated and embarrassed. I, I get into my car that's parked in the driveway, and I just drive off. And I was so defeated because I wanted to do something faithful. You know, I wanted to do something that, that felt like it was faith-filled. And as I'm driving away and I'm processing this with my fiancé or my girlfriend, she definitely wasn't my wife at that time, whatever she was at that time to me in my life, I was just kind of processing it. And as, as I was processing it, I hung up the phone, and I, I could just sense in my spirit. I could just sense in my heart. The Lord was just saying, good job. <laughs> I think he was laughing, too, kind of like you are. But I sensed it. I just kind of knew the Lord was just saying, good job. Good job. And I was so disappointed. I'm like, no, I didn't do any job. I failed this job. No one got saved. No one got healed. I went to the sickest place on the planet, and not, I couldn't even get my foot. In, I couldn't even lay a hand on them. I couldn't barely get my foot in the door. And so I realized at that moment, I'm, I'm living in the realm of possibility. And as I'm trying to pray, I'm also living in the realm of the impossibilities, healing, all that stuff, salvation. I realized the most faith-filled thing I did that day in that moment wasn't just in my will to go and aggressively go pray for people. It wasn't mustering up boldness and courage to go do something crazy for God. The most faith-filled thing in that day, in that moment, was me hearing the word of Jesus and just simply believing him. It was knowing the heart of Jesus in that moment. Because I could have just walked away in defeat and just deny Jesus, being like, oh, no, Jesus, you got it wrong. This wasn't a good job. This was a failure. And I could have sat on that. I could have just been stuck in the problem of my failure. But the most faithful thing in that moment, in that day, wasn't my boldness to go and pray. It wasn't my 
ability to face humiliation for the name of Jesus. There was no suffering there. It was just embarrassing. That's it. No one lashed me. It was just humiliating. The most faith-filled thing was me to draw near to Jesus. So, for the disciples in the storm, what could have been the most faith-filled move that they could have made in that moment? What could have been the most faith-filled thing that they could have done? I wonder that too. They could have gotten Jesus up and said, Jesus, we know who you are. We know what you can do. So speak to the storm and fix it. That looks like typically the most faith-filled thing, right? We think, oh, I know what he can do. I know who he is. I know how he can do it. We think that's the most faith-filled thing. I don't think so. You know what would have been the most faith-filled thing that these disciples could have done in that moment? As the storms were raging, as the waves were sweeping over the boat, the most faith-filled thing that they could have done is grab a pillow, a blanket, cuddle up next to Jesus, draw near to him, and fall asleep alongside him. If you think about it, that literally would be the most Christ-like thing in that moment. <laughs> we talk about being Christ-like. <laughs> we think that's just in like morality. That also applies to rest. The most faith-filled thing that these guys could have done was grab a pillow, a blanket, and just did what Jesus was doing. Just fall asleep. All right. Guys, what I'm trying to pull us out of is I'm trying to pull us out of a problem-centric mindset. Because for Jesus, if he was sleeping, the storm, even though it was furious, even though they had a correct assessment of what it could do and what it was, to Jesus it was a non-issue. These guys, the disciples, they had a correct assessment, but they misinterpreted its effect. And we oftentimes do that. We misinterpret the effect of the problems and the storms of our lives. And we think the most faithful thing in that moment would be to deal with the problem. No, the most faithful thing would be to just simply do what Jesus is doing. Some of you guys are facing a problem in your life. I don't know what it is. You don't need to tell me. It's you. But sometimes we get so hung up on facing the problem, dealing with our fears, that we rarely do what Jesus is doing. I think it's time for us to move from little faith to great faith. To call Jesus and just ask him, just say the word and the word is enough. To grab a pillow, to grab a blanket, and just do what Jesus is doing in this moment. So at this time, let's just pray. Let's just go to the Lord. Sometimes <clears throat> we're so hung up on gaining a perspective. And I know, like we've been gaining perspective all weekend. That's awesome. And sometimes we're so hung up on just thinking about, trying to figure out what Jesus thinks of a specific situation in your life, a specific problem. Maybe the better question today is not wondering what Jesus is thinking about a certain situation in your life. Maybe the better question, to, better question today is just to figure out what Jesus is doing. Even if it feels absurd, 
even if it feels completely ridiculous, like sleeping through a storm on the lake in a boat, even though it may seem absolutely ridiculous, maybe, just maybe, the solution is not in the facing of our fears or our problems, but the solution is just walking in active faith and doing what Jesus is doing right now in this moment. You have some problems in your life, and Jesus is just saying, hey, grab a pillow and a blanket. Let's take a nap. When Elijah faced a problem, God responded by giving him a snack and a nap. Yeah, yeah that God, yeah, you, you kids, you know that, giving a snack. Sometimes that's the greatest solution to all the problems in your life, right? I know how it is. Yeah, sometimes y'all just need a snack, a good one, not like the healthy kind. Not the whole grain stuff. I'm talking about the dirty stuff with, filled with chemicals, right? Sometimes y'all just need that. We've become experts in assessing our problems and assessing our fears. Maybe it's time to just do what Jesus is doing. He may look at your problems and he may be taking a nap. He may see your storms and there's a good chance he's just chilling. And you're wondering, Jesus, why aren't you stressed like I am? Because that's not his perspective. So let's move from little faith to great faith. Let's do what Jesus is doing. Let's gain an understanding of who he is and also how he can do what he can do. That, my friends, is great faith. So before we pray, can you just turn to a couple people next to you and just tell them you have great faith. Just look at them deep in the eyes and just tell them, you have a great faith. You have great faith. Let's worship.